0: In the series A.D., we started off talking about the death of Jesus. The first big event was the crucifix. Then we moved to the next great event, which was the resurrection. And that was a a glorious study. It always is. Then after the resurrection, we talked about the 40 days when Jesus would appear to his disciples. On one occasion, he appeared to 500 at once. That must have been quite a church service when Jesus just suddenly appeared on the platform and said, uh, I'd like to say something, <laughs> you know. That must have been quite a, quite an event. The next great event was the uh, ascension where he's standing there with his disciples and suddenly his body begins to lift up off of the earth and the Bible says he was received into a cloud and uh, two angels stood by and said uh, that he will likewise return. In other words, he's going to come back out of the clouds, just like you saw him go into the clouds. At his second coming, he's going to come back down out of the clouds. And if you believe in his ascension, then you need to believe in the second coming of Jesus, right? Now, the fourth major event that we want to talk about today was the outpouring of the Spirit. So the four great events that gave birth to the church was the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And so today, let's talk about that some. My uh, purpose is, first of all, to inspire each and every one of you to be filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you've been born again, you've given your heart to the Lord and you are a Christian, but you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, at the close of the service we're going to give you an opportunity to receive the Spirit. Everybody needs to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Secondly, I want to inspire you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know there are what we call nominal Christians and then there's powerful Christians. And I want to encourage you to choose to be a powerful Christian through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Are you ready to go? I'm going to read several verses to start off with today. Um, I question whether or not I might uh, be reading too many verses. Sometimes my teaching gift gets a little out of hand. But I really want want you to get the Scripture in your heart. You know, we're living in a day when... uh, the culture of America is moving away from the Bible and moving away from Christian morals and ethics. And we need to know what we believe but know why we believe it. And, and maybe this is the day when we need teaching gifts to make sure that our feet are solid on the Scripture. Because if your feet aren't solid on the Scripture in the day we're living in, uh, your mind can be changed and you can get way off if you're not anchored in the Word of God. So part of my motivation today is to anchor you in the Scripture. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44. Uh, Luke was a physician and obviously a brilliant man, as all physicians are. And God chose him to record the greatest events that's ever happened in the history of the world. And one of the events was the ascension of Jesus Christ, which is recorded in Luke chapter 24, and then he records it in a second version in Acts chapter 1, and I want to read both of those to you. Then he said to them, meaning Jesus, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that he, they might comprehend the Scripture. I'm glad the Holy Spirit is here today to open our understanding so we can comprehend the Scripture. You know, the Bible is not like any other book. It's not like studying math, science, and American history. The Bible is is a unique book that is shrouded in mystery, and the Holy Spirit has to open your understanding. And once He opens your understanding, suddenly you see it, and you grasp it, and it makes sense, while others read it and say, what, what, what? It takes the Holy Spirit to open your understanding. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Notice that Jesus said what needed to be preached was repentance and remission of sins. You know, in this day when we uh, have seen a drift away from the Scripture and the Bible. Our culture as a whole has been drifting now for many decades. It isn't a recent thing. And nevertheless, it said we are preaching a gospel that's more of a self-help gospel than a real biblical doctrine. How to improve yourself how to live a happier, better life, how, how to, to achieve your goals and fulfill your dreams. When I hear preachers preach today, it seems like we're doing more dreaming than we are preaching. Jesus said that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. Repentance is about recognizing I am a sinner and I need to repent, turn away from those sins and get them out of our lives. Remission is talking about forgiveness. That God will forgive us of our sins and wash them out of our lives and free us from sin. There's a great emphasis on grace today. What I would consider to be an exaggerated grace message, some call it hyper grace, that excuses us from the responsibility of our own sin. That grace is such a, a, a thing that we can just get saved and continue in sin. But Jesus said that when the apostles began to preach, they were to print repentance from sin and remission of sin. And so we need to make sure that we understand we have responsibility for our sin. We must repent of our sin and turn away from it. Can you say amen? And he said, you're witnesses of these things. Notice that word witness. It's a big word. Behold, I send the promise of the father. I want you to underline promise of the father. Another big word about what we're talking about today. The promise of the father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them and now it came to pass that while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Now, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1. The same Dr. Luke is going to give us another account of the same situation. And being assembled together with them, he, meaning Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. But I say, the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. In other words... <clears throat> I've already been teaching you about the promise of the Father. You've heard this from me. Besides all the other Old Testament prophecies, besides what John has said, while I've been with you, I've been teaching you about the promise of the Father. For John, that meant John the Baptist, truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Notice it says, baptized with with the Holy Spirit. That word baptism is used in several ways in scripture. The Bible talks about how that we're baptized into one body, symbolizing an entrance into the body of Christ. The Bible talks about water baptism. Water baptism is when you uh, go into a body of water and you're submerged in that water. It's a symbol of the washing away of your sin. It's your water baptism. Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized, meaning water baptism, shall be saved. The third baptism is what we're reading about here. It's the promise of the Father. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These are the three baptisms your Bible teaches. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the season, which the father has put his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. There's that word again, witnesses to me in Jerusalem in Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And so the last thing Jesus said right before he ascended, remember he had been coming and going for 40 days and 40 nights, and the last thing he said right before he was taken away, listen, you guys go to Jerusalem and you wait because the baptism of the Spirit, the promise of the the Father is coming upon you. Go wait in Jerusalem and it's going to happen. So they went to Jerusalem and they waited 10 days in an attitude of prayer and and, and in uh, corporate fellowship and prayer. And then on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out and they received the promise of the Father. So the fourth great event is the outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was released on the day of Pentecost. You see, Jesus... A primary element of Jesus' mission to earth was to deliver the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about the primary missions of Jesus. Number one, his primary mission was to become the Lamb of God, to suffer and die at Calvary so you and I can have forgiveness of sins and our salvation. The second thing he came to do was to preach the kingdom of God. You see, all... Heretofore, it was all about the nation of Israel. But Jesus came and preached the kingdom of God, which would be worldwide and would be in the hearts of all of us. The third primary mission of Jesus was he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to destroy the works of the devil in our individual lives. And fourthly, he came to deliver the Holy Spirit to the earth. This is a primary element of the ministry of Jesus Christ. I read to you where Jesus quoted John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, six months older, and his ministry began about six months before Jesus Christ. And so John went out and began to preach repentance, and the Bible says that multitudes came from Jerusalem and the area of Judea, and they came into John's baptism, and they were water baptized as a symbol of their repentance. But as John was preaching and teaching, he continually pointed to the fact that there was some Someone else coming after him. He said, He's mightier than I am. I'm not even worth it to stoop down and unloose his shoes. This guy is so great. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 11. I'm going to read it and move on. I indeed baptize you with water, John said. Under repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and in fire. And so, John had a, just a simple message the Lamb of God is coming, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so, Jesus came on the scene, John points him out, and multitudes began to follow Jesus. The Bible says that in the end, Jesus baptized in water more disciples than John, except Jesus himself never baptized anybody in water but his disciples. That's John chapter 4. So, Jesus… Had multitudes that came to follow him, and he likewise baptized them unto repentance, but his disciples performed the baptism. You see, Jesus didn't come to himself baptize with water, he came to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so that is an essential element of why Jesus came. Jesus referred to it as the promise of the Father, the promise of the Father receiving the Holy Spirit, it being poured out to all mankind was a promise the Father had given through the prophets in the Old Testament, the promise the Father had given through John the Baptist, and the promise that Jesus gave to them. It was the promise of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Luke chapter 10, or rather chapter 11, verse uh, 11, I want to read. A son, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Of course not. Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Of course not. Or if he asks an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Of course not. If then, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? Now, this is the minister of Jesus. And he is teaching them about the Holy Spirit that is going to be given as a promise from the Father. And we learn a lot of things from these verses, and I'm going to hit just a couple of highlights. First of all, he says, if a son asks, you need to be a son. If you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to be a child of God. You need to have repented of your sins, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, experienced a new birth. You need to be a Christian. And it only takes a second to become a Christian. Just commit your heart and life to Christ, and automatically you become a Christian. So you've got to be a son. And he said, if a son asks, everybody say ask. ask. So you've got to ask for the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people say, well, if he wants me to have it, he'll just give it to me. No, that's not what the Bible says. I mean, it sounds good, but that's just not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you want the Holy Spirit, you have to ask for it. So you can be a good Christian, sit back, love God, live for God, and be happy as you can be, and never receive the baptism of the Spirit until you step up and say, Father, I want everything you have for me. You came to give me the Holy Spirit. I desire the Holy Spirit. Give me the Holy Spirit. So God has said He would give the Holy Spirit to anybody that asked, So I'm just convinced there's thousands of Christians that, would, that have never asked, therefore they have never received. At the close of the service today, you're going to get an opportunity to ask. Then He said the, whole, the Father would gladly give the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a gift. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be really good for it. You don't have to have your life all cleaned up and have no more sin. It's a gift. You don't have to labor for it, strive for it. You just come and receive the gift, the promise of the Holy Father. So all you have to do is just receive it as a gift. If you try to labor and work for it inevitably, things get twisted up. You have to see it as the promise of the Father, a gift that He gives to His children that is available for all. And so the promise of the Father was indeed a gift. Now, When you ask for it, you have to receive it as a gift. Receiving it is very, very important. You have to receive it. Now, remember, the Old Testament was about the Father. And so the whole narrative of the Old Testament Testament, is about the Father. The whole narrative of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is about Jesus Christ and the time He spent here on earth. But then you open the book of Acts and we move from the Son to the Holy Spirit. So all the book of Acts and all the the rest of the Bible is about the Holy Spirit. We're living in the day and age of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus came to pass the baton from himself in the Gospels to the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And so he prepped the disciples and he gave them warning over and over again about how he was going to go away, but the Holy Spirit was going to come after him then we go to the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 20. Look at verse 21. Now, Jesus has appeared to the disciples. It's in this 40-day window of time when he's coming and going, appearing and disappearing. Jesus said to them, Peace be to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Then he said, And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Or I say, Breathed on them. And said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, so Jesus is passing the baton. He, he, he's saying, look, we're, you're, you're moving, we're moving from you being totally focused on me to you being totally focused on the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament is about the Father. The Gospels are about Jesus. But the New Testament is going to be about the Holy Spirit. And so he's doing a handoff. And he said, look, it's important that you receive the Holy Spirit. So he went, And when I get to heaven, I want to know the rest of the story. What was it like for Jesus, the Son of God, who was given the Holy Spirit without measure, who had absolutely no sin in his life, to breathe on you and to release the force of the Holy Spirit right in your face? You know, in my lifetime and in yours, we've experienced the Holy Spirit in power. I have been very close to God and I have experienced His awesome glory and power over and over again in my life. But I just know that on this occasion, it must have superseded anything I've ever experienced. And someday I want to know exactly what happened when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. You better look at this word, receive. What does it mean to receive the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, in the most general sense, it means to receive the Holy Spirit for who He is. Jesus was passing the torch to the Holy Spirit. And He said, look, I'm going to breathe on you and you're going to experience the Holy Spirit so you'll make the connection between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to think that anything has changed or anything's going to be different. I I want you to feel like this is an extension of me. And so he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is not a thing or an it or simply an experience. The Holy Spirit is God Himself. So he was making the connection. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So, in the general sense, he meant to receive the Holy Spirit as, as God himself. Secondly, he meant to receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the authority of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive it into yourself. You know, it's one thing to acknowledge the Holy Spirit, it's another thing to receiving Him into your being and allow Him to become the Lord of your life. To be filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit is another thing. So Jesus was saying, look, I don't want you just to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is God. I want you to receive Him into yourself and let Him empower you, lead you and guide you and begin to follow the Holy Spirit like you have followed me. Jesus' purpose was to give them a foretaste and to pass the mantle so that in the same way they had followed him and walked with him and been guided and led by him, that now the Holy Spirit would step into his place and begin to lead and guide them and empower them so that wherever the apostles went, wherever the disciples went, as many as apostles as uh, disciples as there would become, wherever they would go in the world, the Holy Spirit would be with them. You see, Jesus said, it's, it's better for you for me to go away and the Holy Spirit to come back. It's to your advantage. You see, even when Jesus was in the confines of a human body, he could only be at one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit can be every place at the same time. And that's why there's a church of the living God all over this planet. And people are worshiping filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is at work. Because in this day and time, the global body of Christ is functioning and led and guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. All simultaneously. That's one of the reasons Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away and the Holy Spirit come after me. We can all be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the promise of the Holy Spirit is to everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. On that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any thirst, just circle that word thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing on him would receive. There's that big word, receive again. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is prepping them. He's saying, look, if any man thirst, let him come to me. And out of his belly will flow a river of living water. And he said, John explained, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. John was commenting, saying, this is the Holy Spirit he's talking about. So that anyone that believed on him would receive. So the Holy Spirit is for everyone. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. Jesus was glorified. The Holy Spirit came back down on the the day of Pentecost. And it's for everybody. On anyone that will believe and receive, they can have the Holy Spirit. It's not just for the spiritually elite. It isn't just for those that might be called to full-time ministry. But it's for everyone that is a believer in Jesus Christ to receive the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? So Jesus, just before he ascended, he said, John baptized with water but you're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you will be my witnesses. We're called to be eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ and to do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot take the supernatural element out of Christianity. You cannot take the supernatural element out of church. You cannot take the supernatural, the unexplained, the uncontrollable that which you cannot manipulate or replicate. You can't take it out of the church. The supernatural is the spark of God's power and grace that he put in the church, and you can't control it. You know, if I could control the supernatural, I could control all the gifts, everybody would be healed, everybody would be filled with the Spirit. Nobody would ever die around me if I could control it. But you can't control it. It's power. It's sovereign. It's uh, It's God. You can't explain it. You can't manipulate it. You just receive it and believe it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go to Mark chapter 16. Look at verse 15. Jesus is getting them ready for the, for the day that we're living in right now. He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. That's water baptism. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. Notice the words signs. Everybody say signs. 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 These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. And these are the supernatural signs that Jesus said would follow them that believe. Let's keep reading. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven... And sat down at the right hand throne of God. So this is, the, this is the ascension scene as recorded by Mark. The book of Mark. So Mark is the author. Mark was not an apostle. But he was one of the original believers though a very young man. We believe that the book of Mark was actually Mark dictating the story that the apostle Peter told. Go back to the verse. I'm not quite finished. Let me move on. And they went out and preached everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. everywhere. And the Lord working with them... And confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So they went out and preached. And the Lord was working with them. And as he worked with them, he confirmed the, what they were teaching with these various signs that were, being, that were taking place. So speaking in tongues is a sign. It's an indication And it is a verification that God is at work in our midst. Don't be afraid of speaking in tongues. Don't be ashamed of speaking in tongues. Use it with wisdom. Do not be belligerent or ignorant with Him, but use it as a sign that God uses to confirm the word that is being spoken. And so we are witnesses of what He has done in our lives, and we are power witnesses. God uses us and to speak his word and confirms it with signs and with wonders. Now, when it says, I shall receive power, of course, he's talking about the indwelling spirit. It will be power to overcome sin in my life, power to live the life he wants me to live. It will be power to serve him, power to do his will, power to accomplish his work in my life and to accomplish work for his kingdom. It'll be spiritual power, power that you will use in warfare. The Bible teaches that we're warring against Invisible forces of darkness. Principalities and powers that are behind all the evil of the world. We confront those demonic personalities with the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit gives you ability to do things you've never been trained to do, taught to do, have never done in your life. But the Holy Spirit gives you the power to achieve these things. It's ability, it's know-how, it's competency. And so, you get saved... And Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. And uh, you're as saved as you're ever going to be. Right that moment. You're just as saved as you're ever going to be. You're going to go on and receive a water baptism. And that's an outward expression of an inward experience. But you're already saved. Then you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, that Spirit of God is going to come inside of you, and it's going to give you power to be your ultimate and best for God. It's going to give you power to be effective and fruitful and productive in the kingdom of God. It's going to give you power to confront forces of darkness and to destroy the works of the devil. It's going to give you power to overcome sin, power to achieve things you never could have achieved except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, the apostles were not men of high education and learning. They were not men that had great experience in leadership and experience in in shepherding people and gathering crowds and influencing the culture. By and large, they were fishermen, poor men, working hard to make a living, blue collar or no collar. But they were working hard. But somehow, when they got filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, suddenly they became preachers and teachers and world shakers and cultural changers. And the Bible says that the whole known world at that time had heard the gospel because of these few uneducated men that received the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, we do things that we're not trained, taught, or we don't have a background to support. But when the power of the Spirit comes in you, you can do things in your own life that you never could have done. Let me take you to one more verse and I'll be done. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 Peter stands up, begins to explain to the crowd on, in the street, the first street preacher stands up and says, they said to the, Peter and the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? We hear your message, we see what's going on, what do we do? How do we get in on this? Peter said, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for remission of sins, that's water baptism, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This final word, for the promise is to you, to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everybody right down to this day that you and I are living in. It's the premier message of the church. And, uh, you know, we've taken some time to show you the story of Jesus. And uh, we're down to the fourth climatic event. The next big thing that's going to happen is going to be the second coming of Jesus Christ. But today is the age and the season of the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, never received the power of the Spirit, we want you to have that opportunity. Have that opportunity. All you have to do is give your heart to the Lord, make sure you're a saved Christian. That's all you've got to do. Then you come down and you receive prayer. One of the ways that God baptizes people in the Holy Spirit is through the laying on of hands. So we have some prayer partners who will just pray with you, either join hands with you, maybe put their hands on your head, and the Holy Spirit will come down upon you. You'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an experience. It's an experience beyond anything you've ever had. And uh, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. He'll come in and saturate your body. and. Um, you'll begin to speak a language that you've never learned. It's just a sign. It's not salvation. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's just a sign. It's an indication of, of what's happening at that moment. And that's why we speak in tongues. It's a sign. It's like if, you know, if you're coming into the city of Beaumont, just on, when you get on the edge of town, it'll say, Beaumont Corporate City Limits. It's not Beaumont. It's just a sign. It's just telling you where you are. And so when God does signs, it's just a sign to indicate where you are and what, what's going on. So when you receive the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in a language that the Holy Spirit gives you to speak in, you won't understand what you're saying. No one around you will understand, but it'll be a language between you and God. He'll know everything you're saying. And it's a sign, an indication of what's happening to you at that very moment. So I've taken some precious time this morning just to stir in you a hunger for the Holy Spirit a desire for the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, I could preach another 30 minutes or so on, about being refilled with the Holy Spirit because throughout the book of Acts, we see where these same people that received it the first time received it again and again. So it's not enough just to say, well, I received it one time way back there and I spoke in tongues a little bit, but we have to live a life where there's continual refillings of the Holy Spirit. As you go through life, you just need to be refilled. Face what you're facing. Achieve what you're reaching for today. Be refilled filled with the Holy Spirit so that we're always being filled and refilled and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. You know, I can feel the energy of the Spirit moving here right now as I come to the close for this for this message today. I can just feel the energy of the Holy Spirit. God's speaking to hearts right now. He's speaking to hearts right now. I can sense and feel that the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart. I want to encourage you to be responsive. Be responsive to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit nudges you and and pulls on you and you feel something kind of stirring on the inside, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Say, yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit submit to it and let the Holy Spirit do its work in your life and who knows what God will do through you when you learn how to receive the Spirit I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward at this time and uh, I want to pray uh, with you that want the baptism of the Holy Spirit any of these people standing here now can pray with you and you can receive the Holy Spirit here today so I want to open this up you know there's a lot of wonderful folks here today and Um, I don't know all of you's personal experience with God, but if you're here and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the promise is to you and to your children and to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. And uh, if you're a young person here today um, worshiping in the sanctuary, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we need every one of our young people baptized in the Holy Spirit. When I think about some of the things that our young people face from day to day, it makes me know that we need to make certain that each and every one of them are filled with the Holy Spirit or an environment where they're continually being refilled with His power and presence. So let's stand today. And if you need to, to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time or you'd like a refilling of the Holy Spirit, come down immediately. We want to pray with you. This is not about church membership. This is just about receiving the Holy Spirit. Let's give these a hand clap that are coming. This, is, this thrills my heart. God bless you. God bless you. Whoever you are, you're welcome here today. We've got some wonderful people ready to pray. They'll pray with you individually. All these young people are going to receive the Holy Spirit before we leave here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that your word is true. That your promises are immutable. I thank you, Lord, that what you said you would do 2,000 years ago, you will do today, right here this morning. And as these wonderful men and women are coming to receive the Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you will pour it out upon them, as you have said, and do what you have promised to do here today. Pour out your Spirit indiscriminately, without reservation, without quantity. Pour it out upon them, I pray, from the youngest to the oldest, the male and the female. I pray, Lord, that the power of your Spirit would be upon them. And, Lord, let signs and wonders follow. In this house we pray, in Jesus' name.